welcome in everyone to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan and we are in the midst of NFL free agency. By the time this drops, the official league year will have started. Signings will be official. We are currently, as we're recording this on Tuesday, March 14th, still technically in the legal tampering or negotiating period, whatever you decide you want to call it. An awful lot to get to, both with the Kansas City Chiefs as well as around the NFL, so let's not delay. Let's go ahead and introduce the guys. He's excited for the Chiefs to sign Matt Ryan so we can finally find out what Chris Jones said to him. Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, man? Please don't do it, because it does seem like the most Chiefs thing to do. He can't wait to tell you the day after tomorrow what happened yesterday with Aaron Rodgers. Sam Black is with us. What's going on, man? Still don't fully think he's recovered from the ayahuasca and probably doesn't understand how reality currently works, so I almost feel bad for Jets fans in that case. And I am Sean Deegan, and I think anytime you can get rid of Derek Carr and sign Italian Derek Carr, you have to do it. All right, well, an awful lot happened while we were out, which we kind of anticipated. We all, our, our podcasts have been quite timely this year, seemingly. I don't remember us landing on either the day before or in the midst of as many events with the combine and the legal tampering period as it, as it seems to have happened this year. So that's been a lot of fun. Let's start with something that actually happened before the tampering period opened because it kind of rocked the NFL world and changed the landscape of, of the NFL draft in a major way. And that is that the Carolina Panthers traded for the number one pick in the draft, a move that many people anticipated uh, the Panthers take that number one pick away from the Chicago Bears. The anticipation was that the Bears would be the ones to trade out, considering that they have Justin Fields, and he performed admirably down the stretch last year. And if they believe in him, they might want to build around him and trade the number one pick away to someone who needs a quarterback. Carolina Panthers fit that bill and gave away their first-round pick this year, which is number nine, and a second-round pick this year, number 61. They also gave up a first-round pick in 2024, a second-round pick in 2025, and wide receiver D.J. Moore for the number one overall pick. I'm reading this off of USA Today, although you can find this story pretty much everywhere. It's kind of not old news at this point, but a little bit as far as the NFL is concerned with the breakneck pace that's been going at. But wanted to start here because we haven't had a chance to talk about it. Want to get your guys' reactions and what's the impact here? What do you? How do you think? This impacts the NFL draft, the landscape of the NFL. What you think of the trade, Jacob? We will let you bat lead off on this one. Let me first react to the reports that they were looking to trade number one again. The Panthers, that is hilarious because it's like we didn't like we didn't like what you guys got for the number one pick. We can do better. It's like, huh? But. Realistically, the most interesting part of that trade was the DJ Moore part of it. I mean, that was good value to grab him. We talked about, I think, kudos to you guys. It wasn't a name I had on my radar until one of you brought him up midseason with him being a Chiefs target. But I was right there with you guys. I was like, that would be a great get. So great get by the Bears to add to Justin Fields' repertoire. You know, it's almost reminiscent of when the Chiefs put a bunch of weapons around Patrick Mahomes and said, let's find out who you are. When they brought in Watkins and all the other guys, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey was like, all right, Pat, let us know who you are. 
if the Bears did not trade that pick, it would have been a complete failure to be like, yeah, we'll take our our guy, our choice of Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. Those guys are going to probably – one of those two will probably be there at at least the fourth or fifth pick. So you had to trade out a number one with the amount of value you'd get for it. Sam, what about you? How do you think this impacts kind of how the NFL draft goes from here? What did you think of the trade? Uh, well, give us your thoughts on this whole situation. Uh, in regards to how it affects the draft, I, I don't think it probably changes the landscape an incredible amount. Them trading back to nine, like I was surprised they couldn't find anybody, any different suitors before nine, because again, they are after one of those two big defensive players. And it is, is a risk that, you know, they'll be gone by nine, like, the three quarterbacks, and then those guys are going to go pretty quick after that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, I mean, you're still going to get – it's just whoever – it's just the quarterback's going to get drafted a pick earlier than he originally was, basically, um, whoever number one is. But as far as the trade goes, I think the Bears did really well. Um, I, I think DJ Moore's one of those players that – I know it sounds crazy, but you they could have wagered – a. I almost feel like you could have got a first round pick for him regardless. Like he's, he's a young, very talented player that has played with very crappy quarterback play and still put up numbers. So the fact that they were able to secure him, I I think almost makes that trade even better because I think they were originally asking, they they were obviously originally asking for multi-first round picks. And I think that makes it an even better deal just because you have a known commodity and you still get first and, and you still get picks back. So uh, kudos to them. Like Jacob said, it's, it is a approving year for, for Hertz because it, it is now, you don't have an excuse. You've got weapons. I mean, uh, along with DJ Moore, they got Chase Claypool last year who proved he was not a first, but has always shown that he's a pretty good second wide receiver so, yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting year. But as far as the draft goes, I, I think it'll be as, as bog standards we kind of expect with the guys that are taking quarterback. I think the only thing that's interesting now is how are people ranking these quarterbacks after the after the combine? Um, how much stock are they putting in Anthony Richardson, uh, Richardson's performance overall? And will that displace anything with the quarterback kind of layout? Sam, I want you to tread lightly there because – Anthony Richardson is somewhere between Trey Lance, Jordan Love, and Patrick Mahomes. He falls somewhere in there. Pretty good, pretty good gap. Um, yeah, a Grand Canyon size gap. Yeah, the fifty percent completion rate in college. That uh, you could either be Josh Allen or basically any seventh round quarterback at that point. <laughs> right. I love the comps of Josh Allen. It's like, well, Josh Allen did it. I'm like, yeah, and no one else. Yeah. Not another person has a passing percentage like him in college and comes out and performs like Josh Allen has. He's the outlier. Right, and stock is low right now on Josh Allen and his accuracy. I, I actually don't think it's a guarantee the Bears go defense anymore. I think the reason they're comfy going down to nine is – they're probably going to have their choice at left tackle. Whoever they want over there to protect uh, Justin Fields' blind side, they're going to have that option. And I think adding – essentially how I view this trade is you've got three firsts and two seconds for the first pick. 
And to your point, Sam, DJ Moore is being the proven commodity who also is still, as long as DJ Moore feels like he's been in the league, he's going to be 26 at the start of the league year. He's not old. He hasn't even really hit what is typically the receiver's prime years. So I, I, I love the deal for the Bears. I think what changes, what I would have been concerned about has been kind of negated a little bit with what the Chiefs did that we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Because I, I think that the Bears, instead of going defense, are probably going to take a tackle, would be my best guess at this point. So I think that's the big thing that changes. And I think if you're a team that needs a tackle, needs a left tackle in particular, this move might prompt you to move up into you know 10 to 15 to try and make sure you get your guy to protect your quarterback if you don't have that player already. So let's move now to what we are currently in, which is NFL free agency, the quote-unquote legal tampering period, as it's called. Again, as we're recording this, we're recording on Tuesday, March 14th. So we're trying to avoid like predictive comments or you know things like that as much as possible because most of those could be proven irrelevant by the time this drops. So, but a lot of, a lot of movement so far across the league. And so just wanted to get your guys' early thoughts what are some of the best and or worst signings that you've seen? Doesn't have to be a dozen or so, but just like one or two, three, however many you want to throw out there. Best and worst signings that you've seen thus far. Uh, Sam, we'll let you badly off this time. Good question. <laughs> um, I think as much as I love Wiley, I hope the Washington, uh, the commanders didn't sign him as a solution to tackle. Like, that was one of those where, where I think we we all kind of expected it that he would go somewhere else because he's going to get paid. Like, like let's not be, be – let's be candid about it. He's not getting massive, massive money, but probably paid more than he needs to be as Chiefs fans as we watch. But he has 100% earned it. Like, there's no – you cannot take that away from this man. This man. But I, I really hope the enemy does not stake his claim that that is their cornerstone right tackle – for a rookie quarterback or whatever quarterback they have coming in. What what I found interesting is some of the are some of the trades more than anything, because again, with uh um Darren Waller getting shipped to the Giants, I thought that was pretty surprising, specifically bringing in I mean they have a pretty potent offense overall, and I get he's been injured, but when he's on the field, he is pretty di- obviously a very dynamic player and I mean, you would think you'd want to give Garoppolo, who is not <clears throat> the best. Garoppolo is a good quarterback, but not in. He's no better than Carr was, obviously. And I think I thought I figured you'd want to give him the best opportunity possible to succeed. And getting rid of your one of your big weapons like that doesn't do it. But other than that, like I haven't. This has been a weird one because I think. Other than tackle, which I, I've been paying general attention to, obviously with us, uh, with what our needs are, I haven't this hasn't been a year that I've looked at deeply the the free agents available, and so I don't re- I haven't really been paying that much attention to it because I've almost gotten to the point where I'm like, yeah, I trust and Veach is going to build through the draft. We don't have to sign people anymore. First year in a while, I've felt that way. Besides, obviously tackle, so I'll probably be the least prepared for that question of three of us, I guess, but. Jacob, what about you? What are some of the best and worst moves that 
you've seen in your opinion so far through the the legal tampering period well let me help sam out just a little bit because uh he stole mine and then he didn't know how to use the internet to take other opinions and pretend like they're your own so when i just looked at the question without googling my answer is also andrew wiley was it's like that's some money for a guy i don't believe in not in the andy reed system Eric Bieniemy, bless you. Hopefully that is not a move that you put your name on. But Sam, there was clearly a worse move of the offseason, and that was the New York football giants giving Daniel Jones a new deal. There is no way Andrew Wiley getting his deal tops the worst deal of the offseason. The other one that would be up there for me for I don't love the value of the signing is Derek Carr. I mean, it, it was a lot of money for a guy that we all know him. He's Derek Carr. I'll, I'll say that. You're Chiefs fans. You know what Derek Carr is. And then lastly, what I did really like is the wide receiver market, basically. I don't – I'm not saying, like, specifically what I liked, but Jacoby Myers, the New England wide receiver is supposed to be the top of the market. And what did he get? 11 or 12 million per year, which is what everyone was saying. That's where we're looking at ballpark where Juju Smith Schuster. And I was like, I don't really like that. But I think Juju's price went down as did all the other veteran free agent wide receivers. And so I think that's why those are my favorite because I'm like, they're going to find more cheap receivers this off season as a plan. Yeah. Both him and Alan Lazard are getting paid 11, 11 a year. So I think for me, there, there are a couple of ones that I'm like, this is not great. But the one for me, it's not even necessarily a comment on the player just because I don't, I don't know enough about him other than what I've read to buy into whether or not he's a good player or not. And Jacob, you're up in Denver. So you might've heard a little more discussion about this player, but Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle signed to the Denver Broncos, with a five-year, $87.5 million deal that includes $50 million guaranteed. And for me, the Denver Broncos are not a team that can or should be investing that kind of money in someone who is not definitively elite. They don't have let – me, let me rephrase that. They have Russell Wilson's contract to deal with, and I feel like this is a team that – in three years could end up cutting in two years. I don't even say three in two years could end up having to trade and or cut everyone except their quarterback because they don't, they haven't been able to win. They're in a, a division that's headlined by the Super Bowl champions and two other teams that have shown to be definitively better than them at times. And you have a quarterback that is definitively on the downslope of his career and who had a career worst year last year, who is under contract for forever and I don't, I don't think it was a wise investment, especially into a, uh, you know, I get it, you want to protect your quarterback, but Mike McGlinchey is not a name that I associate with the top-tier talent at the tackle position. So that's my worst one. My best one, and this is maybe a little, a little sneaky, and I think this is more for the person who's coming in than it is necessarily that, oh, I think this is a great signing. But I really liked the Houston Texans getting Robert Woods on that two-year deal. It's a low-risk contract, so if it bombs out, 
it doesn't, you know, whatever. You're, you're out from under it next year. It's not a big deal. But the upside of it is you just gave whatever young quarterback you're bringing in, which they're going to be drafting a quarterback barring some wild change of direction that everyone expects. You gave them an incredibly reliable weapon who's a veteran who can kind of show the ropes, be able to make adjustments on the fly as needed for a younger quarterback who's going to have to learn to play up to NFL speed and learn an NFL offense and how to read NFL defenses. I think having that veteran presence in a receiving core can work wonders for a young quarterback. So maybe not necessarily for the team as far as like, oh, this guy's going to be a game changer, but as someone who can kind of help the development of the guy you're going to be bringing in, I really like Robert Woods to the Texans. Even though it's not going to be maybe the most impactful for next year, I think it could pay dividends to the development of their quarterback down the road. And last question here before we dive into Chiefs specifics, because of big stuff to talk about with the Chiefs. Is there anyone that you wish the Chiefs had signed that went elsewhere? Is there anybody that you look at and go, mm, would have liked them to get get into Kansas City and sign a contract there? Uh, Sam, we'll let you bat lead off this time. Really not out of this first run of guys. I'm kind of looking at, I think, a lot of, like we got, obviously, as we'll talk about, a tackle in the first round, in the kind of first sweep of free agency, which I think for the Chiefs, what you really were hoping for more than anything a lot of the guys, there there are some names, but nothing that like stands out as like, oh, he would have just changed our offense or defense. Like it's a lot of pretty run of the mill guys, and some that are getting pretty good contracts. But again, a, a lot of the positions we already have build pretty well on the team. So in years past, where I could have looked at it and been like. Yeah, we could we could really use him. I this year it's been a lot of. I don't think he's better than what we got. Like, like I think maybe. Um, I guess the if you were really hoping for another another lockdown a corner cornerback and you were fine getting rid of a third round pick like Jalen Ramsey, if you could have swung that trade. But I, I, again, I just this was a weird year where I just there wasn't a lot. I was just out there hoping we would go for other than tackle. So, Jacob, what about you? Is there a player that you would classify as the one that got away for the Kansas City Chiefs this period? Not yet. I'm with Sam. It's The ones that are going to hurt are the super values. The, hey, this is a guy that's not getting much money on a prove-it deal. See, the, I'm, I'm of the mindset that Marcus Davenport fits that. That's that's a name that I would have liked to see end up in Kansas City. He signs a one-year deal, and he has he's not you know super productive yet, but he's a rotational defensive end at this point in his career, and has had at times you know twenty twenty one puts up nine sacks, in twenty nineteen had six sacks last year just a half a sack fifteen games nine of them started. So I feel like it would have been a nice time to try and capitalize on a guy who's still young. He's he's only 26 years old as of today. And a guy who's looking to kind of bounce back on a prove-it-year deal. I feel like that's the kind of guy, especially at his size, 6'6", 265, that's a Spags defensive end all day long. So that's one that I would have liked to see uh, if they were had been able to swing 
a one-year deal. But as of right now, other than that, I'm kind of with you guys where I'm not really feeling bummed out about any other players getting away. And I'm not heartbroken that Davenport got away, but that would be if I had to pick one. Um, him getting away to the Vikings on a one-year $13 million contract would have been would have been the one I'd pick. All right, let's narrow the focus down to our Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm going to stop tweeting before things happen because I tweeted out, I figured, you know, trying to promote the podcast or just create interaction uh, with other Chiefs fans on Twitter. I sent out a tweet. At, right before legal tampering started, I said, remember, just because the Chiefs don't make a splash day one doesn't mean they aren't being active. Be patient. Not an hour, two hours later was it that the Kansas City Chiefs were reported to have agreed on a contract with right tackle Jawan Taylor, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Brett Veach doing his thing again, making me look like an idiot. The contract is $80 million over four years, up to $60 million guaranteed. The one caveat on that is in March of 2024, 2025 becomes guaranteed. So technically, right now it's only $40 million guaranteed. But as of 2025, it'll end up being $60 million guaranteed kind of a big old splash and spelling the end of Orlando Brown Jr. in Kansas City, which I'm sure we'll get into. But just before we do anything else, reactions to Juwan Taylor as a Kansas City Chief. What did you think of the signing? What do you think of the player, the contract, etc.? Jacob, we'll let you take the lead on this one. I figured he was probably in their part of one of their avenues or plans. He fits the mold of what they like, big, athletic, long-arm guys. So I'd seen a couple different um, – I'll call them Chiefs people. Connect the dots there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm happy to go get more athletic, and I'm glad that they're not going to pay Orlando Brown a hundred million dollars plus. So I think they were just kind of. I think this is the we don't want to pay Orlando what he thinks he's worth, so we're going to pay who we think Orlando's comparable to at a price that we like. Sam, what about you? What did you make of the Jawan Taylor signing? He he is kind of the bizarro world Orlando Brown, I guess you could say, where everything he does well, Orlando Brown does not, and kind of vice versa. And I think they looked at him and said, like Jacob said, you're you're a comparable skill level player to Orlando Brown. You have the potential playing left. You probably are a better right tackle. And you're not asking for astronomical money. Okay, Orlando, have fun in free agency and have fun listening to everyone tell you you're a right tackle because apparently that's what's happening now as well. So, uh, no, I, I thought it was a great, great signing overall. Again, I can't speak on the guy a lot. Um, we saw him twice last year. and But other than just his the general amount I've seen on Twitter and kind of stuff you've shared, Sean, he, he looks like he is – Probably a better fit for our offense, being a little bit more finesse-type tackle, a higher-grade pass blocker than Orlando Brown, maybe not as much of a of a mauler, um, not going to road-grade anybody, but just seems like he is he is uh, will be a good fit right or left for us, and I think it does leave us – it's obviously a good-sized contract, um, but he's a relatively young guy, uh, which I think is a bit like you're, you have that – 
you kept youth, I think, is the big thing. You didn't go out and get Taylor Lewan or any of these guys that are close to the end of their career. You got a guy that you can trust to be there for their majority or for the entirety of the contract you signed him to and longer if necessary, or if he does fulfill that gap. So leaves that ability that, you know, I think, like I said, he, he can ultimately play left if you need him, but is probably a better suited right. And so Jacob, your uh, Laramie Tunsil wet dream is still on the table. That's why I don't wear pants while I dream, Sam. Oh, God. How much do I cut? I am actually getting higher and higher on the signing. Initially, I I thought I was a little disappointed when I heard that the plan is to play him at left tackle because I, I we did this already. I'd like to see somebody just be drafted to play their position instead of this kind of bouncing around. However, having seen the draft for uh, the Kansas city sports network guys put out the, their um, draft evaluation of him when he came out in 2019 and then reading Seth Kaiser's piece on him and just seeing some of the stats that people are throwing out about him. I feel much better about the idea. I still like the signing, but I'm becoming more and more excited about it. For instance, uh, Jeff Kerr tweeted this out on, on the 13th, Jeff Kerr of CBS, for those who don't know, um, he tweeted, quote, Jawan Taylor had the third lowest pressure rate allowed, 2.5% among tackles last season. Only Tristan Wirfs and Lane Johnson were better. He allowed just 16 pressures and five sacks last season. That's pretty damn good. Great company to be mentioned with. Um, Sam, to your point, uh, Seth Kaiser broke this down where he is definitely a, an excellent pass protector. His, his athleticism, his footwork, the length of his arms, because he's still a big old boy, 6'5", like 325, 328, somewhere in there, and, and his arms are 35 inches long. So he's got the size and frame. It's just that the things that Orlando Brown Jr. really struggled with, he doesn't seem to. A lot of the, the clips that Kaiser used when he was talking about the things that, Johnson, that uh, Taylor is good at were against guys like Max Crosby, Micah Parsons, those that level of athlete, that level of pass rusher, and watching him play as well as he did. Obviously, the negatives are what you said, the run, the run blocking. Maybe not necessarily the best at that, but Kaiser did point out that in space, his athleticism allows him to do things and get upfield in ways that Orlando Brown Jr. can't because he's not that same level of athlete. So I actually really dig this signing because I think it does a lot of things for you. I think, one, you kind of knew what Orlando Brown Jr. was. Juwan Taylor has continued to improve year over year. And with an offensive line coach like Andy Heck and an offensive schemer like Andy Reid and a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, who is elite at getting away from pressure, I think Juwan Taylor fits really well. And if you believe that he his athleticism is is all it's cracked out to be, I think if he's willing to put in the work, left tackle is a realistic option. So the longer we go, the bigger I get on this signing. It would just be a matter of does it all come together? I just I think the ceiling is much higher than what you had with Orlando Brown Jr. It's just what is what is the floor here? So what let's move into that. What is the planet tackle? So what do you expect his role to be? Because obviously they have put out the James Palmer 
put out there that as of now, and he kind of puts it out there that way, the Chiefs' plan is to play Jawan Taylor at left tackle. It is it is a, a reasonable assumption to assume, and you've seen some reports, there's a, one insider, I think his name's Aaron, and I'm blanking on his last name, I'll find it here in just a second, put it out there that Chiefs have still talked with Houston about Laramie Tunsil. There's another ESPN reporter from Houston who said that trade is dead in the water. So, again, we're in the legal tampering period, and no one actually knows what's going on. So what do you guys expect his role to be come training camp? Is he going to be definitively the left tackle with no competition? Is he going to be the right tackle? And do you expect the Chiefs to still try to make a move for someone like Tunsil or, or draft the left tackle? Where do you expect him to be on this line, and how do you feel about it? Um, Sam, we'll start with you. Juwan Taylor will be an offensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Beyond that point, I honestly do not know. I, I honestly think the Chiefs will look at it based off what the rest, what they can do the rest of this offseason. I, I think ideally, yes, they will play him at right tackle. It's what he's played since he's been in the NFL. If you can keep a guy at that position, that's great. But he gives you that ability to, if, if you're not able to go and get get a Laramie Tunsil as the ideal player or get a player in the draft that you feel comfortable putting at left tackle, even if you get a guy in the draft that you don't feel putting at left tackle right away, you've got that option to swing him. Um, so I, I think he 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 will likely he will more than likely start at left tackle next year, I believe. The only the only way he will not, I think, is if they get a guy like Laramie Tunsil. Um, I don't think they're going to be in a position in the draft to draft a guy that's going to start day one at left tackle. Um, so I, I think he would be – we'll start at left tackle, which is kind of sad because I know one of your other questions coming up here, Sean, is how much of an upgrade or where he's at compared to OBJ. God, wouldn't it be nice to say how much of an upgrade is he over Andrew Wiley? <laughs> right? That would have been great. Like, that would be awesome. Like, if you could say that, you know, this guy is coming into play right tackle, it's like, oh, it's it's hearkening days of of the being in, bringing in Mitch Schwartz. Like, he's obviously not the level of Mitch Schwartz yet, but those days of you're bringing in a guy that can play right tackle and just you don't have to ever worry about right tackle again. That's fantastic. <laughs> My favorite, uh, someone, I forget who put it out there. I don't think it was like a report or anybody, but I saw a tweet from somebody that said if the Chiefs add Laramie Tunsil to Juwan Taylor, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, and Joe Tooney, Patrick Mahomes will just solve Rubik's Cubes behind the offensive line because no one's getting to him. No, no. Yeah, it's, he's just going to be back there. He can take whatever game he wants to play and just sit there and sit down a chair, pour a cup of tea, you know, have a grand old time. I think it would be hilarious that he's just like sitting there, and all of a sudden you start to see him get happy feet when he might normally. Like he's got, I got a bail, I got a bail, and he starts to run and realizes there's still no one there. Yeah, I would, I, I. That's why I dream that there's still a left tackle. Here's why I think it's still a possibility. I would put it at like 75, 25 percent. Juwan, Juwan Taylor is definitively the left tackle come day one of the regular season. I. I I think that's the most likely. However, his contract is structured in such a way that it's even more backloaded than Veach normally does. His base salary for this season 
is $1,080,000 in 2023. His total cap hit, if you include the, the prorated portion of his bonus for 2023, if you add that to his base salary, his cap number is $5.8 million. He does not count much against your cap. So there, there are a bunch of ifs that have to happen to make something like Tunsil work. You, I think you have to extend Chris Jones and create cap space there. I think you then have to find a way to rework the contract of Laramie Tunsil. But I think those are reasonable things that could happen. So as of right now, I'm going to say 75-25, Jawan Taylor is the left tackle come training camp. But there's a part of me that still thinks like Veach is keeping tabs. Like he's, he's still watching. Let's see if we can't get Laramie to Kansas City. The other reason I think that that's possible is Laramie Tunsil liked Jawan Taylor's tweet of when he said Chiefs Kingdom. So I'm just going to read way too much into that and assume that he still wants to come here. I mean, if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, go look at uh, David Bakhtiari's Twitter right now. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, it's just hilarious. Yeah. Um, you cap that off with James Palmer's report that receivers all over the NFL are blowing up Mahomes' phone saying, hey, is, could I, is it possible for me to come play with you? Yeah. I'm just very excited to be a Chiefs fan this offseason. It's going to be a load of fun. Jacob. Uh, what about you? What do you expect Juwan Taylor's role to be on this team? I think it's like we've talked about. I think there's avenues still. I think there's plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. Um, if this happens, then we go this route. I do think, you know, right now they're still actively calling the Texans and being like, what is the Laramie Tunsil deal? What will it take? You, you now have a team reporter saying they're not shopping him. The Chiefs can still call him. Like, okay, we'll go up a pick, and that might get it done. I mean, there's it. That's not dead. So I think that's where they're at right now. I think that would be your plan A. And the reason, like you guys, you know, leaving the hope alive is that is no money for Jawan Taylor this year. There's still something to be done. There's a plenty of space. You're going to create probably more space with Chris Jones' deal this year. So you're looking pretty this year. And then I think your option two, which is probably the more likely route is, then you're like, who's our left tackle on the draft slash where does he fall to? If he doesn't fall, then you're looking at a right tackle on the draft and you are going to officially move Juwan Taylor. So I think that's the three avenues. And so I think they're comfortable with Juwan Taylor out left, but that's not their plan A or B. Last thing here, and I and you kind of alluded to it, Sam, another beautiful transition. Are the Chiefs better, the worse, or the same with Juwan Taylor at left tackle? We'll just assume left tackle for now for the sake of this question than they were with Orlando Brown Jr. Better, the same, or worse than with Orlando Brown Jr. at left tackle? Um, Sam, we'll let you badly get off this time. Yeah, I don't think you can look at this in any any way and not say it wasn't a net positive. Um, it obviously sucks to have traded a first-round pick for Orlando Brown and just get a couple years of service out of him, but I think it was worth it overall when you go back and look at it. So now what we're looking at is two guys that I think you can, without, without being a 
someone that's broken down the film of both these guys, I will say that play on the field is a wash regardless of what style they are. I think uh, Juwan Taylor does fit our offense better than Orlando Brown did um, overall. And I, you've got a, a guy that though, what they're, is he a year older than Orlando Brown? Well, I think no, Orlando Brown's older than him. Two years <laughs> younger. Jawan oh. Taylor is two years younger than Orlando Brown. Oh, so yeah, that blows my second point out of the water completely. I was thinking he was older for some reason. No, but so you have a younger player now that is under control for the foreseeable future. So you can't say in any way this is not a your team is not better today than it was with Orlando Brown Jr. Jacob, what about you? Better, same, or worse with Juwan Taylor than Orlando Brown? Again, like anything, you have to evaluate it from a few angles. Let's just say Juwan Taylor is exactly the same level as Orlando Brown. You have a younger, going to be cheaper, especially this year. You know, he's, again, Orlando Brown was going to cost like $20 million probably close to this year, even on the franchise tag, versus Juwan Taylor is going to be what's it six million ish if you round up so i think it is a net win i don't think you can be like oh talent wise they got way better but you can say building a team wise they got better because like sam said now you have certainty in the future as well i am i'm of the mind that even if they are the same like if if you were to go to like madden ratings let's say and they're both like an 85 i still think they are better because juan taylor fits with what they do better. So even though it's it might be the same level, it's it's a better he's a better scheme fit. His athleticism is is significantly more than Orlando Brown Jr., which fits a quarterback who likes to drift more and and a scheme that really likes to throw the ball a lot and get out in space. There's a lot there are a lot of things to think that even if he's not a better player technically than Orlando Brown Jr., that it will look better and be a better offense with him at left tackle. So that's my first thing. I think midseason, we could be looking at this as a definitively better player than Orlando Brown Jr. You look at the the scheme, the offensive line coach, play design, the quarterback, everything is better. And his transition, you know, we talked about Orlando Brown Jr. It's like, well, he played a year at left tackle. Yes, in a Ravens offense. And then had to transition to the Chiefs offense. You went from a run heavy to a pass heavy. And he's not an athlete. Juwan Taylor played with Doug Peterson this last year. He's already seen an offense that's, you know, just next door to Andy Reid's, if not directly the same thing. So I think the biggest hurdle for him is maybe not even the offensive scheme. It's just going to be transitioning what he knows to the left side of the offensive line. I think there's a lot of reasons to believe that the Chiefs are definitively better now, even if Jawan Taylor is not a better player than Orlando Brown Jr., than they would have been keeping Orlando Brown Jr., all right, let's look ahead. Let's look ahead to what hopefully the plan will be. And this is where things get dangerous for us recording on a Tuesday for a podcast that will drop on Thursday, knowing that the Chiefs are always active. But what's the plan next? There are a few names that have been tossed around the Chiefs specifically, and so we're going to stick with them initially. The three names I wanted to ask you guys, who would you rather have as, as the next step? For the Kansas City Chiefs, factoring everything, whether 
It's a free agent that you can sign, someone you can trade for, etc. I want all, I want to factor all of that in. Knowing what you'd have to do to get them, who would you rather have? Zadarius Smith, DeAndre Hopkins, or Adele Beckham Jr.? Get an OBJ to replace the one you lost. What do you guys think? Two of those guys obviously under contract, Zadarius Smith and DeAndre Hopkins, although we'll see what happens with Zadarius Smith. And one guy coming off a major injury reportedly looks really, really good at the workout he held for at least 11 different NFL teams. Sam, we will let you take the lead on this one. If you had to pick, Zedaria Smith, DeAndre Hopkins, or Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, I can just say I was just looking at what Zedaria Smith's contract looks like. Um, I think of any of them, he fills Zedaria Smith fills obviously a gap in our team. As you guys were speaking on before the podcast, like it doesn't make any sense for the Vikings to cut him. But like it's not the craziest. It's three million dollars in dead cap this year. 1.5 in dead cap next year, basically, or somewhere around there. If they cut him, it's Darius Smith all day. I think he fills a need that our team obviously want or has uh, the need to fill. If they don't cut him, I don't know. I, I'm to the point where unless it's an incredible impact player, which I think two years ago, DeAndre Hopkins was that. I don't know what DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins is anymore. Zadarius Smith injured last year or the year before last is a good player. Like, don't get me wrong, but does he fit our defense? He's an outside linebacker, not a defensive end. So I think, I mean, I might roll with OBJ, but out of all of my, none of them really, I look at and say, yeah, I really want him on my team. Like, and I know that's a strike. If you look at Chiefs Twitter, that is a I am I am the polar opposite of everyone else because everyone apparently wants DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm like, eh, sure, I guess, yeah, he'd be cool. Jacob, what about you? If you had to pick between Zadarius Smith, DeAndre Hopkins, and Odell Beckham Jr., knowing what you have to do to get them as as of right now, and not knowing obviously compensation, but knowing you have to trade for a couple, sign one, who would you prefer? I'll edit Sam's statement just a little bit and say, I only want them on my team at the right price. Uh, but the problem is you already know two of the guys' prices. Don't really love either of the prices, uh, especially since Hopkins is a guy that has been hobbled by injury. But hey, you know what? Segue to Odell Beckham Jr. You have no idea what's there, and that's what scares me. So I'm going with Zadarius Smith just because I think he fits well. And also, it'd be nice to see the guy on the field for 13-plus games. If I had to pick out of that crew, I would actually say DeAndre Hopkins. Because I think you can get him for the lowest compensation. And I'm basing that off of what Jalen Ramsey went for. Jalen Ramsey's still on the right side of 30 and they didn't have to give up a second-round pick for him. I, I think you could probably get Hopkins for a fourth and maybe like a, a seventh-round pick. I think it's, it's in the cards at this point. If a team's actively saying, we'll take a second, that's where they're starting, not where they're going to end up. So I think that would be my preference. I think he's in a position now where it's, it's I've made all my money, I want to win. And this gives me the best option. So I think you could probably re rework that contract to where it fits with your cap 
It's friendly enough to where you can get out of it after a year. There's just a lot of things that line up with that, that if I have to pick between one of those three, that would be one. That would be the guy I'd pick out of those. Because I think Zadarius Smith has made it known on Twitter that he's ready to get out of Minnesota. And I would rather just wait and see if he gets cut before trying to make a move for him. And Odell Beckham Jr. reportedly was still looking for $20 million a year annually. So if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to pick the guy I think is the surest thing in DeAndre Hopkins out of those two, if I'm going to pick what's next. I did have one, one, this is not on the rundown, this is definitely an a ad on some news that came after, but I am curious your guys' thoughts on two young wide receivers that have not been linked to the Chiefs, that have not been talked about as, and at least by insiders or anybody of note as active trade pieces, but given their interactions with the teams that they currently play for, I'm curious your guys' opinions on making a move for someone like Rashad Bateman, who we were going to talk about last week before things got crazy, or Elijah Moore out of New York with the Jets. Jets just signed, for those who don't know, Alan Lazard today as we're recording this on Tuesday, four years, $44 million dollars. They've already got Garrett Wilson. Aaron Rodgers is reportedly trying to get the New York Jets to recruit everybody from the 2007 Green Bay Packers to come and play for them. And Elijah Moore, who showed an incredible amount of promise as rookie here, did not get any opportunities with awful quarterback play and the emergence of Garrett Wilson last year. Rashad Bain openly went after his general manager after the general manager said if he knew how to draft where what wide receivers would draft, they would have better receivers. These are both guys who have kind of disappointed in moments but have a lot of upside. Would you guys be willing to throw a pick at one of those guys to try and bring in a young receiver that has a team-friendly deal but maybe has is kind of a Brett Veach special? Yeah, I'd be down. I think at, at this point of the year in this, this phase of free agency – we we've made the one big splash. So now everything else is going to be like Jacob said, what's it going to cost? I'd love to have, I mean, the more controllable young talent at every position you can have the better. So if you can get some of these young wide receivers and as we've seen our, our model for wide receivers, can we get a full 17 game schedule out of the wide receivers we have? Can we get six games out of this guy, five games out of this guy? <laughs> so, yeah, the more we can have, the better. But, no, I, I'd be interested in either of them. Um, I actually think Rashad Bateman would fit the the Chiefs offense very well. Um, kind of that more deep threat type player, but but is still a, a very dynamic receiver. But, yeah, it just what, what is, what's it going to cost us? Jamie, do you have any thoughts on the idea of maybe instead of going after – maybe a proven vet that's got an older but more expensive contract, maybe taking a player who's got more upside but hasn't lived up to it like an Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am on board. <laughs> Go get either guy. I mean, I, I love both of them coming out of the draft. I'm just like Brett Veach. I still believe in my draft evaluations. Both guys were guys I loved. But another name to consider is take your choice between Jerry, Judy, and Cortland Sutton. Personally, I'm a Cortland Sutton guy, but it's unprecedented for guys to get traded in division. 
But supposedly both of them could be had at a price. Cortland Sutton would be what we've been dreaming of for years. And also hilarious that the Broncos are sideways with their wide receivers. Go figure when you have uh, Russ Wilson as your quarterback. Yeah, I brought it up specifically because we didn't get to talk about it last week. We are going to talk about Rashad Bateman. Just some other stuff came up, so it got bumped. But I wanted to at least get it in here because while nobody's actively talked about Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman getting traded as a realistic thing as of right now, both of them have been disgruntled with their current teams to this point. Last question for the night, and then we will get out of here. What makes this the perfect free agency period for you? Having seen the initial plan with Juwan Taylor, the Chiefs also brought back Tershawn Wharton on a one-year up to $2 million contract, so that's good news. I know we're all Tershawn fans here. But having seen what the initial start of the plan is, what makes this a perfect free agency period for you guys? Jacob, we'll start with you. Not spending any more money. That's my perfect free agency period. Stay young in the draft. Pick up veterans that are cost efficient. That's the remainder of my dream free agency. And I think kind of the Chiefs model is day one, go make your big splash. Go get the guy who's coming off their first contract, looking for their second one that you really like. Go spend your money there and then just wait to see how the rest of it falls. The other, I have two follow-up questions to you guys on this. What would you pay for 28-year-old guaranteed eight sacks, probably a max of like 12, and then below average run defense? What would you pay for that? Repeat the question. You are signing a 28-year-old who's played everywhere. Um, He's a journeyman, so his price is not going to be high. The minimum sacks is eight. The maximum is 12, and the more likely probably around, like somewhere between 8 to 10. And then run defense is suspect is what I'll call it. I'd go the Andrew Wiley contract. I'd go three for 24. Guarantee the first year, half guarantee the second, what leaves you in out if it goes badly. It's more than I'd go. I, I'm a very not. I like guys who get home. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'm not tired of guys who don't get home. What was, our, what was Wiley's guaranteed money? Deal. Dunlap was like one year. Everything is an incentive to get up. I think, to was, like I think it was like one up to six, one up to eight. Oh, it was like six. That. Okay. I'll look at it. Be cool with that. Yeah. I, I'd pay a little bit. I'd pay more than Carl Dunlap, I, and I'd pay more. less than Andrew Wiley. But, I mean, Andrew Wiley's getting eight a year, basically. So I'd yeah. pay the six to eight, eight range, depending on what kind of contract length you're looking at. But uh, the, the real name is Yannick Ngakwe. He's, yes. he's one I've been dreaming of. A guy that I think is going to be a value free agent. I don't think he's going to be Carlos Dunlap cheap, but I do think he's going to be relatively cheap. So I don't think the Andrew Wiley deal is unrealistic. Like I think that would probably get it done. But if I'm Yannick Ngakwe's, agent which these are smart people they'll probably be like no no we're going to keep looking and then he winds up on a one or two year deal anyway but that is a guy i'm still looking at that's hey if you don't if you feel like your priority in the draft is tackle and you don't want to go edge this is the route you can go to fill that spot uh but like i said the rest of it is just who are the value guys for me 
I don't have any other spots <laughs> picked out. Adam Thielen would be fun if he's super cheap, but I don't think he's going to be. There's enough interest in him from multiple sources. Uh, and then the final question I have is the wide receiver market's weird. Where do the Chiefs stand on Juju, do you think, at this point? Well, first, I want to quickly amend Carlos Dunlap's contract, one for three, only guaranteed. Uh, Andrew <laughs> Wiley, I can't find any of the guarantees reported here as on a quick search. I'd have to do a little bit more digging. I, I'm i not going to lie. I'm a little soured on Juju just because of his ant- – and, again, I, this is me getting old. It's no, me I'm getting old. You. That's all it is, and I'm sorry. I never thought I'd be this guy, but I'm the old man who's like, dude, get off Twitter. Yes, you won. I'm over it. Just quit. 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 And his health. Yeah, and his health like, is a part of it. Mostly Twitter, though, if I'm being honest. <laughs> like, I just, dude, you won. There's no reason for it. And maybe it's because I like <clears throat> the Eagles as a team, just because of the whole connection with Jason Kelsey now. Haven't gotten to listen to their podcast, but it, I, I'm over it. Like, And it's Patrick Mahomes. He'll make anybody at least 20% better than they would have been. I think what you're trying to say, Sean, is he's not that good. He's fine. Like he's fine. But yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not worth the headache. That's, yeah. And headache is is very. I guess that's where we become spoiled with the Chiefs. Is that that's our headache now? <laughs> right. We don't have to worry about the other things. We're real headaches, but yeah, he's I. He can leave. Take him or leave him. At this point, I'm not. Right. And he was like so good for the whole year. That's the thing. And the minute they got it, he got his ring. He went right back to TikTok. So yeah. imagine what he's going to do if you give him a contract. Right. Sam, how dare you? No one in this town has ever thrown Tyron Matthew under the bus for his Twitter antics. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us as always each and every week. It has been a blast of a free agent period so far the nfl season is always full of a lot of fun a lot of excitement so make sure you're tuning in with us each and every week so we can talk about it and enjoy the ride the whole way until next time you all stay safe out there and we will talk to you next week